Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Four River Smokehouse for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention... Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Florida LSU week, Florida travels to Baton Rouge on Saturday noon, 11 a.m. local there in Baton Rouge. Gators, Tigers, one more time. Does it have the stakes it used to have, but still a big game nonetheless for both schools here. Different reasons, I guess you could say this year, uh, but Tigers, Gators going at it once again. Joining me for this episode will be Blake Rafino from Are You Serious Sports. He'll join us to talk and preview LSU. Everything going on there, of course, not every not everything's on the field there in Baton Rouge. you got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, Coach O. Uh, so some of the conversation will go off the field as well so you guys can get a, a sense of what's going on around LSU. Of course, we, we, we see it from – we see it from afar, but then we'll get Blake in here to, to dive in and give us all the details there of what's going on in Baton Rouge on and off the field ahead of this matchup between the Gators and the Tigers. So plenty, plenty to get into. And, man, uh, to, uh, ready for this game? Florida's got the bye week after this. Do so you think Florida's got to go pedal to the metal uh, when they travel to Baton Rouge to take on the LSU Tigers? So without further ado, I'll bring him in here. Let's go ahead, get it started. Blake, man, thanks for joining on and hopping on Gators Breakdown once again. Everybody, are you serious sports? This is where Blake talks LSU day in, day out. Blake, first of all, I got a, um, a lot of our Gators Breakdown listeners may know you from the past and stuff, but a month ago you had to deal with a whole terrible hurricane that ravaged through Louisiana and stuff. So update everybody out there from the Gator side of things. Hopefully everything's okay. You and your family are, are uh, kind of on the recovery path there after uh, Hurricane Ida. Yeah, well, Dave, I appreciate you having me on uh, again. Uh, yeah, to, this is the second day that we're back in studio. Okay? okay, so we were having to go live from a sponsor's location. So basically, I'd be at work all day, come home, see my son and wife for 30 minutes, pack up, go to the spot, do my show, and as you know, break down the podcast, yeah. get everything set for the next morning for just in case you missed it, upload the audio, and then, I mean – it's good to be home, Dave. I'm just, I'm just telling you. And for 44 long days, we were without internet. This beautiful, beautiful router and mode <laughs> right here. You beautiful son of a guns. I mean, look, money was not an option when they told me I had internet. So, I mean, look, we did. And I appreciate you asking. Family's fine. We did have some, some damage. Um, but look, it was, it could have been a lot worse. You know, I feel like I, I'm one of the lucky ones. But I'll tell you this, I'm coming over to your house and we're pl- I'm spending the night if another hurricane like this comes to Louisiana, bro, because I can't go through that again. It was very a very scary moment. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 well, it is what it is, and I'm glad to have my health and my family, and, and now that we're back after 44 long days. Well, good, good thing there. Glad, glad the message is a, is a positive one there. Uh, on the, uh, re- reco- recovering just a bit there from that, from that terrible hurricane that ravaged through there. 
So, all right, Blake, um, let's get straight to it. Let's talk some football. Tigers, LSU, three and three on the year, coming off the loss to Kentucky last week. Hey, we know how that is. We lost to them a couple <laughs> weeks ago as well. So, uh, hey, look, um, for, for you, for you, LSU Tigers, there already a tumultuous feeling going into that game, and I'm sure even worse coming out of it. Blake, give us a feeling, the culture, the the, the messages, everything kind of around Coach Orgeron right now in this LSU program. Yeah, I think it's exhaustion, really, you know, because I, I'm, I just told you, like, what I've gone through, right? 44 long days, well, now technically 45 long days uh, without being home, doing my show, running my business. And then you add in COVID. You know, COVID has been a thing that we've gone through for a long time and not even getting political, however you – do that you know you just go about it right I mean but it's just been a long two years for LSU fans and then when you turn on the one bright spot that every LSU fan was looking into was the season and then you go out to UCLA Ed Orgeron says sissy blue shirt that backfires on him LSU gets beat and really every single week since that's happened Dave Ed Orgeron has had a PR blunder Every single way, week. So we were a lot of fans remember the Sissy Blue comment uh, or shirt comment. And yesterday, Ed Orgeron lashed out at the reporter who is a mm-hmm. fan favorite who who did that, who posted. It. And I'm like, you know, last night on my show, I, I, I'm saying to, to fans, I'm like, guys, he's the one that said it. Like it's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with being soft and how the media is soft. It has everything to do with Orgeron is always pointing the finger. He never takes the blame for anything else. He's always saying, Oh, we're getting better. We're going to get better. We're getting better. We had our best week day of practice. And, and David just never, never comes to a point where it translates on the field. Now, a stat that I put out today over the last four games that LSU has faced. Really good running teams, and this is going to bode well, as you mentioned and we mentioned on, on, on Twitter, but LSU has given up 1,010 rushing yards on 161 carries, 6.27 yards per carry, 252.5 yards per game rushing, 10 total touchdowns, and look, LSU's weakness – it's obviously Florida's strength. As a, hey, look, we, we still got some things going on here with this mosquito. We're just getting back in the house. But, I mean, look, it, that that is – Florida is going to have to take advantage of that. They will take advantage of that. And, look, everybody talks about this LSU defensive line. Dave, they're getting pushed around. Ole Miss, a season ago, they had 307 yards rushed against. UCLA had 207 uh, 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 and then last week you had Kentucky with 330, and then Orgeron comes out in the press conference and says, well, I didn't realize that rushing attack was that good. Well, yeah. Man, what in the heck are you watching? And so that has been the frustration is not only on the field, but every time he turns on a mic, it's just chaotic. Blake, so we know, okay, 2019 comes, and best team in the country, one of the best teams ever to play college football, that LSU team. So then you, you fall apart in 2020 a bit. You get the big wins versus Florida and Ole Miss to end the season. Um, do you the fans go back to 2020 a whole lot, or do they are, are they really pointing at 2021? Like where did it? I guess to pinpoint where did it all go wrong? Like did they can they move on and throw away 2020 a little bit? Is it really just focused on 2021, or is it just a, a combination of it all? I, that's a fantastic question. I think it really kind of started uh, even before the season, Dave. And again, this I, I'm not a political person. I'm not going to get there. But there was a protest done from LSU football players that Ed Orgeron was unaware about because he goes on Fox News. He talks about the former president, yada, yada, yada. We'll, get, we'll stay away from that. But the, the players took that to heart. This and, was preseason 2020? Preseason 2020, yeah. I'm sorry for not throwing that out there. Preseason 2020, the players canceled practice. They canceled practice and told Orgeron he wasn't invited. Meanwhile, in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban is marching with his players, and they become as one, and we know what happens with them in 2020. I think that that was really the starting point, and then you go out and you get K.J. Costello, the the ghost of K.J. Costello, throws for 623 yards against the Tigers, and then Ed starts blaming Bo Pelini. Mm -hmm. And so then all of a sudden you turn around, and the defense looks the exact same. 
So is it Ed Orgeron's defense? Was it Bo Pelini's defense? Or is it Durante Jones's defense? Because the only outlier or the only one thing that you have in common in all of this, especially defensively, is Ed Orgeron. Now, I'm piling on a lot with the defense, and I can't even – we can even go to the offense – Look, you. He, we'll, we'll get. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm still piling on to them, but when you're giving up so much, I think that that's when it really started. And then the off the field stuff with with Ed started, and then fans started getting a little disgruntled. So yeah, maybe Dave, if it if they were five and five last year, beating Florida the SEC East champs on the road when you only had 52 scholarship players, you beat Ole Miss. If it were just on the field, I think Orgeron would be okay right now. I think Rumbleeds would didn't be starting, but he would still be okay. But now we're talking about him getting fired, really, Dave, maybe Sunday. Or it could be the following week after he loses to Ole Miss. So, or if LSU loses to Ole Miss, I should say it like that. So that's really how it all is starting to unfold for Ed and, and really this entire coaching staff. Whew, what, a, what a crazy fall from grace, man. <laughs> it's very, very crazy. So, all right, we'll go. Let's go on to the field a little bit. And let's take big picture because I don't think – I think we have to start here. We'll, we'll, we'll go position – you know, in position groupings a little bit here as well. But big story right now. And almost it's kind of the same way, the same way it was last year, LSU missing a ton of players coming into the Florida game. This time a little different, mostly, mostly due to injury. Of course, wide receiver Kayshawn Boutte – Injured versus Kentucky. Ali Gay, same. He's out. Joseph Evans, major burns. Two other defensive cogs there for LSU. And that's already on top of Derek Stingley, uh, defensive end Andre Anthony, safety Todd Harris, running back John Emery, who's uh, ruled ineligible. A couple more players out there as well. So, Blake, man, it's pretty astounding looking at the injury and the missing player list for LSU. It's it's astounding. And, and another thing that's piled on, to, to, to add in this in this staff, you know, Tommy Moffitt, the strength and conditioning coordinator, has been at LSU for three national titles. And obviously everybody remembers the fourth national title that Alabama came back and beat LSU in that epic 2011 season. Um, they have injuries. They're, they're not conditioned well. They don't look like they want to play anymore. And, you know, Dave, it, 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 it's crazy because I want to talk on the field with you. You know, but and we can, but I don't think that LSU just as a team on anything has an identity. You know, the only thing that they're they've been good at, and I hate to even say it like this, knock on wood, is is having players out, and, and that's and that is where you know the toughness. You have to question sometimes the toughness of the players. But when you're not motivated and you hear the outside noise about your coach getting fired, I mean, things start spiraling out of control. And, and look, the defensive line was a strength coming into the season. They're still getting run over the offensive line. And, and look, I, you know, we're about to do a segment where Blake was right, where Blake is wrong. I was definitely wrong on this offensive line. They continuously are, are, are missing guys in pass pro. I think that's got a lot to do with schematics and not communicating well with the offensive linemen on what they're trying to accomplish and run. The running game finally had some life last week, but it was because they're doing things differently schematically. They're they're trying to run long, and I want to say this that way because it's like the maybe just a common knowledge, but long passing concepts. You know, LSU did that a lot in 2019, but the, what they did was is if Joe saw that it wasn't there, he dumped it off. But, Dave, this isn't 2019. You have to be able to adapt to your personnel. Thank you, Dan Mullen. I mean, you know, a lot of people on my show call Dan Mullen the witch because he's just such a great offensive play caller. So they just don't have an identity. They can't adjust. They, You know, after the first 15 plays scripted, LSU just isn't that good on either side of the ball. So, look, Dave, if LSU goes up 7 nothing. Don't worry because there's a whole lot of game left because they do that constantly. Go up seven outside of last week, and then they can't get anything done offensively. I, I, look, I don't. It's not a. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of coaching. And I, recruiting services don't. Recruiting doesn't lie this much. So, I, I can't really put my thumb on it. But just me as a former player, and especially a player that's played teams in the SEC. I, 
Dave, I don't understand what they're doing schematically. Like, have no clue. Getting the coaches' film and they're trying to do something. I, I'm ba- I'm really baffled, and I can't believe that I'm saying that. All right, so it starts with their offense. We'll go Max Johnson. <laughs> Look, he got his first start versus Florida last year in a win in the swamp. Um, so, how would you assess his play so far this season? And let's kind of extend it to the impact Boutte now uh, is not going to be able to bring to the table. So, how do you feel about the passing attack moving forward with Boutte out, but still a very talented Max Johnson back there? I think Max. I think without Max Johnson, LSU maybe have one or would have one win this season. I, I'm serious. You know, a lot of people talk about his inconsistency, but when again, when schematically you're not able to do things. And you're calling plays. And, Dave, they do this check with me. You know, they look over to the sidelines. They can't get plays in on fourth down if they want to go for it. I, I think that because Max who would, is who he is and the football knowledge he has, he's been able to escape some of that. Um, look, we saw what happened with Florida, and then we saw what happened with Ole Miss. And I know a lot of people say, well, then people had a whole summer – to, to scheme against him, but you couldn't scheme against the offense that Steve Insminger, the former offensive coordinator, ran. I just think that he, he he's confused because I think that they're trying to put too much on his plate. They don't give him the ability to, to check out a place if he needs to. So I, I would give him, in a grade-wise, maybe a B-plus. I mean, he's going into his eighth start, or I think, yeah, this would be his eighth start coming into this game. Let's see, 6-2. Yeah, so no, excuse me, ninth start. Um, and, and so I, I think that he's done fine. Without Keishon Booty, though, how is it really going to go? Does does he start just letting it rip more now because he's not trying to force the ball? But then you look at this, and, and, and really this offense at times, outside of a couple of plays, you know, the stats for Keishon Booty is fantastic, but they might target him six or seven times a game, and he might have five, six, seven catches. But then they'll go a whole second half against Auburn when Auburn's starting to creep back up, and then they don't go back to him until the final drive. So I think that without his favorite target, it's going to be tough, especially with Ty Grantham, who I think personally from a schematic standpoint has turned a lot of things around. Look, they, they got physically I, – I, physically they got pushed around a little bit against Kentucky, but hell, everybody is right now. I mean, <laughs> it just it kind of is what it is, but – I think that they're going to give Max uh, some some confusing looks, and without his best target, I, I think that it could get ugly really early. Blake, you mentioned there a little bit. Um, Blake Rafino from All You Serious Sports joining us right here to preview these LSU Tigers. Uh, of course, probably one of the one of if not the best rushing performance last week versus Kentucky for LSU. Um, the run game has had a struggle so far this season, as you mentioned. Did you did you see anything last week that LSU may be able to use to their advantage moving forward? Yeah, they're running power and gap schemes. So what LSU tried to do for the first five weeks, they want to run inside and outside zone. So basically, for people who do not know what inside and outside zone is, coming from a former center, uh, you're basically wanting to double team whatever way you're running. So if you have a one technique, which is the the defensive tackle in between the center and guard, you want to get a double team onto him, and then you want to get that guard into the second level. The the goal is to get as, as vertical as quickly as possible while getting pushed. That was all of LSU's running scheme. Everybody knew that, and they really, really had troubles doing that because, Dave, when you know the answers to the test, you're going you're gonna to be able to make plays. So the last week what they did and what I've been crying and begging for LSU to do is mix it up, use gap schemes, use power schemes, pull a guard here and there. Florida does it fantastically when they pull a guard and they want to kick somebody out and get a vertical push. Even if you're not able to get a push in the inside, that pulling guard can hit somebody and you get two, three yards. That is what it is really just old school smash mouth football. LSU had a lot of success last week doing that against Quite honestly, the the and really the easily the best defensive team that they had seen all year in Kentucky, especially that front seven. So I think that LSU goes back to using those kind of schemes and formations and how they want to do things. I think that they'll start picking it up in the running game, but they're gonna have you. Know, they're gonna have to contain the clock. They're gonna have to get better with getting the play calls in and stop being so chaotic. But until they do that, Dave, I. I, I especially with everything surrounding, I I can't say that offensively they're going to bust a grape, as Bill King would say. 
I, they're <laughs> not going to bust a grape because they just don't know what they're doing. And so with that, I mean, Dave, let me give you an example very quickly. Last week, LSU was on the far right hash with a left-handed quarterback, okay? It's third and two, and then you have a, a trips right. First off, you should never go trips right on the far right hash. That's the <laughs> thing I've ever seen. But then they have a wide receiver on the far left hash, and then they run an out route with the receiver. And the reason I know it's an out route, because Max threw it to a specific spot, and you have all the field to work with. If you're going to do that, throw a quick slant. Do something. They didn't do that. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about that is just so head-scratching. All right, Blake, we'll move to the other side of the ball here before I before I let you go to take a look at this uh, LSU defense. You mentioned some of the struggles there earlier, especially stopping the run. Look, Florida would love nothing more to be able to pound the rock on LSU with the way we've seen this Florida offense operate so far this year. Um, what what – <laughs> You mentioned the issues. Is it look? You went away from Bo Pelini uh, last year. New DC this year. And look, you, as you said, we saw it from game one. As soon as you guys went and played uh, UCLA out there uh, on the West Coast, continued last week with Kentucky rushing for over three hundred yards. Blake, man, that's that's not LSU football. And as you said, talent's not necessarily the issue. And we were used to dominant defensive lines there uh, for, for, from the LSU Tigers. So. I guess and I was going to ask the question. You kind of hinted at it earlier. Personnel, schematic, you still think it's more of a schematic issue than more so a personnel issue? Yeah, because, again, my, my thing is, Dave, that when you have – again, when you have the answers to the test, you know what you're going to do. LSU doesn't adjust to anything. You know, for example, I thought the best game that I'd ever seen – me personally, now I don't break them down like you do – that Ty Grantham has ever called – was that game against Alabama. The stuff that he did with the front seven from an offensive line perspective, I was like, bro, how do you block that? How do you have two guys walked up, you drop two of them back, and the two outside guys come? That's that's NFL-level type of stuff. That is not what you see normally in college football. The problem with LSU, though, defensively is they don't change up anything. And look, LSU used to be able to get away with we're gonna we're better than you. We're gonna line up and punch you in the mouth. In today's day and age, in today's football, the old school of thinking, you can't do that. You just can't do that. You have to the best defensive performance that I've seen LSU put to put together to date was when they went three down linemen, something they hadn't done since Dave Aranda, and they mixed it up against Mississippi State. And it was the best performance. They were lights out. Lights out. Now, they got gas at the end, and Mississippi State put up some points. But for the three and a half quarters, they lit it up, and they look really good doing it. The fact that Orgeron is so stubborn and hard-headed on why he doesn't want to change things is why I think that they're going to continue to have struggles. you got to be able to give everybody different looks. And I think that the we see this with Saban, with Pete Golden. People are figuring him out, and then they adjust, and then they come back. So they make no adjustments whatsoever. Every offensive coordinator – I talked with an offensive coordinator this past offseason, SEC offensive coordinator, and he, and he said – and he basically, in theory, said, Blake, if they run out there with that same defense they had last year, we're going to be sitting in our office laughing. Well, they're laughing. And so they don't it, – it, it's – everybody blamed Bo Pelini at LSU, which was fine because we didn't have – because coming off of 19, we really didn't know what else to expect. And then you fast forward into this season in 21, it nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. So the only outlier is Ed Orgeron. So I think a lot of LSU fans, and I made the joke last night, and Dave got absolutely obliterated by LSU fans. <laughs> you might want to give Bo Pelini a, 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 you know, you might want to send a, a, a will you forgive me card. You know, like, Hey, bro, we're, we're sorry because this is this is more uh, Ed Orgeron style defense. He wants to go back to his USC days. Like, hey, bro, that's the early two thousands. Like, get yeah. off of that. Like, we're not playing NCAA two thousand four with Carson Palmer on the you know on the cover. I wish we were. I, I do too. <laughs> I do too. Hopefully, we'll get it back soon. You know, that's another thing. Talking about Hurricane Ida not having internet. For the PS5, I got absolutely murked last night on Call of Duty. I'm just letting you know. Like, absolutely. That's what happens in a month, Dave. Uh, but, look, he just he's too old school in thinking. He goes to SC Media Days and says, 
well, I'm going to do it my way. Well, you're getting beat your way. Maybe you should change it up. Well, at least you know, Blake, his way is probably not the way. At least you know. At least it's out there. Right, right. And, and, and look, again, the, I've known this SEC coordinator for a long time. I mean, Dave, going all the way back to Southeastern when he was cutting his teeth in his business. Okay, and so I, he's sitting here. You know, I sent him a text a couple of weeks ago, just and he, you know, we kind of go back and forth, and it, uh, he's like, I'm like, bro, how hard are you laughing? He put two crying face emojis. I'm like, okay, that's all I really need to know. And th- from an LSU fan perspective, when you go from that high, Dave, to the best team of all time, to the last team in the SEC West, really in power rankings, that hurts. And so, <laughs> look, man, there's going to be a change. And I think that there will be a change quickly. I don't know if it's going to be after Sunday. I don't know if it's going to be after Ole Miss. But just because – and, look, we, we haven't gone into great detail about stuff that's going off the field. You know, I gave you, yeah. the, big, I gave you the biggest one. I had, You know, I said this on my show and the Bill King show, and I, I'll tell it here. Like, I'm getting text messages, Dave, to tell me to, to – like, telling me to shut up because I'm critical about on the field stuff. And I'm like, man, look. If you're worried about me while you're getting your teeth kicked in against Kentucky, you have another thing coming. Like, we'll see you soon. And then it got publicized on Twitter, and, you know, we go back and forth. But, look, man, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I-, I hate the LSU. I'm not rooting. Dave, I don't want you to win Saturday. I don't want Florida to win. Right. Like, let's I know exactly. Get yep. But <laughs> if you do, I'm not, I- I'm not as mad as I normally would be. <laughs> So, such things cause blessings in disguise. So you know you never you, you never you never know how it comes, how it had turn out there. But all right, Blake, man, thanks for thanks so much for hopping on here and getting his breakdown once again to give us a preview of these LSU Tigers. Hey, at least at least at least we have to do it twice like we did. You know, but before oh we've had we had canceled games and had to recut uh, recut episodes and stuff. So uh, at least at least we're on the same page this time. Well, I really do legitimately thought today when you know we talked a little bit today, I was like, bro, my internet's gonna go out. I'm gonna have it for one day. It's gonna cut out. You know. And then it's, you expect anything more for Florida LSU? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I mean, this is, I look, this is the the fact that this is going okay right now bothers me. You know, like <laughs> you know how it's like it's too quiet. You know, this yeah. bothers me. So look, I mean, we'll see. But it would be it would be Dave though. Very quickly, it would be epic though because I'm assuming the broadcast is going to talk about a lot about Ed Orgeron being fired. You know, so I think that, it, you know, the chaos is on one side this time. And I think, you know, the Jim McElwain stuff a couple of seasons ago at Florida, it's a lot of the same for, for to you know, to relate it to that. So, look, I'm looking forward to it, but <laughs> it's not going to be fun on our end. I got you. There we go. Blake Rafino from RU Serious Sports. Are you Serious Sports joining us right here on Gators Breakdown one more time to preview these LSU Tigers. Man, Blake, I can't thank you enough, man. Thanks, Dave. Have a good day. Go Tigers. All right. See you later. Blake Rafino, man. Good stuff right there. I mean, I, I, I can't find anybody else better. To, I mean, carbon copy clones, fans of our schools, so passionate about our schools. Uh, and you hear it right there in Blake talking about LSU. You hear, hear how he knows the team, hear how much he cares about those Tigers. That's what you get here on Gators Breakdown as well. So we go back and forth a whole lot there, and I definitely enjoy Blake bringing – all that passion here, talking about those Tigers here on Gators Breakdown. All right, here we go. Of course, football season's also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than for River Smokehouse, named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Got to have some brisket. Got to have some ribs, too. Got to have those sliders, the pulled chicken, the pulled pork. You got to get those with the homestyle sides and the fresh baked desserts at any of Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready so you can spend more time watching the game and not the grill. Florida's on the road this week in Baton Rouge. You're going to be at home. Don't be, don't be on that grill. Order Four Rivers. Enjoy all the football. Watch football and not the grill. Enjoy the gridiron pack for four for $54.99 or the party for 12 pack for $109. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, home-style sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. Now through October 31st, 
take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So Gators, whether you, if you're going to stay in Gainesville, if you're going to travel to Baton Rouge, get some Four Rivers before you head out. But if you're in Gainesville, go to the Four Rivers in Butler Plaza. If you're tailgating at home in Orlando, Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four River Smokehouse. And guys, if you're out there getting Four River Smokehouse, if, you, if you're sitting in line, if you, if you get it to your house, take some pictures. Tag me on social media. We'll sit there and share it. Uh, let Four Rivers know that you're enjoying that barbecue. And all right, here we go. The Gator Collective as well. You got to be a part of this, Gator fans. It provides fans with exclusive access to and experiences with their favorite athletes. By committing to the Gator Collective, you are committing to your favorite Gator student athletes. So your pledge allows the Gator Collective to create opportunities for student athletes to earn compensation for their name, image, and likeness. As the athletes collaborate with the Gator Collective team to provide fans with exclusive content. So at the heart of it, the Gator Collective unites fans with athletes. Recent interviews include Ethan White and his mom, interviewed by former Gator Shannon Snell, and our good friend Neil Blackman chatting it up with safety Rashad Torrance. The link for the Gator Collective to sign up is in the description here on YouTube and the podcast version. Gators Breakdown receives a commission on donations by our listeners to the Gator Collective. Grand Media Group and its television stations are not affiliated with or a sponsor of the Gator Collective. There we go. Man, good stuff from Blake previewing LSU. We'll extend all that right here. Get you some of my thoughts on this game. Here we go. Let's take a look at uh, a lot of the stats here for this matchup. Statistical rankings for Florida LSU. Total offense, Gators are second in the SEC still, 10th in college football, 504 yards a game for Florida. LSU, their total offense, 11th in the SEC, 81st in college football, 380 yards a game basically there for LSU. Gators have that number one rushing attack in the SEC. You go look at LSU's rushing defense, ninth in the SEC. Gators are averaging 273.7 yards a game on the ground. LSU giving up 154.2. Gators should be able to get some yards on the ground here, of course. So um, total defense, Gators fourth in the SEC right now, LSU 11th. And then that kind of goes and extends the conversation there uh, as we talk with Blake. So Gators second total offense in the SEC going against the 11th ranked total defense in LSU. LSU giving up 385 yards a game. LSU is also... Um, in scoring defense, 11th in the SEC, 73rd in the country, giving up 26.2 points per game. Florida averages 31.4 points per game. So if you're on the YouTube version, you can check out this chart a lot more uh, to look at there. Teams are even in takeaways. Tied for eighth in the SEC, tied for 86th in the country, only six takeaways for both schools here. I think it's um, sacks per game as well. Look at that. Tie. Tied for second in the SEC. Tied for 11th in the country. Both teams with 20 sacks on the season. So there you go. Quick little uh, summary if you're watching the YouTube version. Or if you're listening to the podcast version, switch over to the YouTube uh, version. You can get this uh, stat table there. Kind of compare uh, the uh, uh, the stats and what you're looking at between Florida and LSU. Uh, LSU, I don't see it on here. I mean, I, I'm Honestly, I'm just bringing it up by, off the of memory. I uh, don't see it on here. They are perfect in the red zone uh, this year, uh, and Florida is third in the SEC and 23rd in the country with opponent red zone percentage at 73.3%. So strength on strength there for red zone offense in LSU and red zone defense for the Gators. All right, so let's take a look even more at this matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 that sack one there, you know, the, the comparison for sacks, sacks of, of course, big, 
uh, big plays in the in, in this game and both right sitting right at twenty on an LSU. Uh, but looking at that, so both teams, as I said, tie for second in the SEC with twenty sacks. Florida's only given up three sacks in six games, tie for fourth in all of college football. LSU's given up fifteen, tied for eighty fourth. So there's your difference. Both teams getting to the quarterback, but both teams not giving up sacks. Florida's not, but LSU is. So, all right, LSU's offense averaging 29.7 points and 379.5 total yards per game. Only 83.3 rushing, 296 passing. So, LSU nowhere near running the ball as much um, as we know the Tigers to historically do. Coming off their best rushing performance, though, as we said, 147 yards, two touchdowns versus Kentucky last week. Yeah, here's the stat. This is, I knew it was in my head somewhere. <laughs> LSU perfect 16 of 16 in the red zone this year. 11 touchdowns, five field goals. Only one of, one of only five teams nationally to remain perfect in the red zone this year. So LSU gets down there. You probably just better hope you hold them to a field goal because they are perfect in the red zone this year. So what a better time to, to, for them not to be so perfect when they go against Todd Grantham's defense this week. Sophomore quarterback Max Johnson will make his ninth career start. As Blake said, he's 5-3 and three as LSU's starting quarterback. The six games this year, he ranks seventh nationally in passing touchdowns with 17. It's connected on 135 of 219 passes for 1,730 yards and only four interceptions. He's thrown at least one touchdown pass in all eight of his starts coming into this game. And in six of his eight starts so far, he's thrown at least three touchdown passes. So, Blake said, you know, not all on Max Johnson here. I mean, stats say stats can be deceiving, but, you know, LSU's got a pretty good quarterback here, uh, Max Johnson. But how big of a miss is sophomore wide receiver Keishon Boutte? Um, he leads the nation in receiving touchdowns with nine. NCAA's leading receiver. With nine touchdowns, not going to play versus Florida. He's out for the rest of the uh, season there. Prior to last week, he had caught a touchdown pass in a school record seven straight games, tying the mark held by Jarvis Landry, Dwayne Bowe. We know those LSU receivers and, the, and what they've had there. Uh, he's had a, He caught a touchdown pass in a school record seven straight games. Uh, leads the Tigers with 38 receptions for 509 yards and nine touchdowns. After the injury last week, his season is done. So unfortunate for him as he was having another great season there with Keishon Boutte. Uh, so now Max Johnson's got to find some more weapons. Highly touted freshman wide receiver class for LSU. They're, they're, getting, it, they're getting it done for some true freshmen. Living up to its billing. They were highly touted. Uh, there's this foursome, I'll get into it, combined for 54 receptions, 752 yards, and four touchdowns through six games. True freshman now. These 54 receptions for LSU are nearly 40% of LSU's catches, while the 612 yards makes up 42.3% of the team's receiving yards. So there you go <laughs> for, for LSU uh, and their freshman receivers. Jake Beck is first among those LSU first-year receivers with 22 receptions for 272 yards and a touchdown, while Brian Thomas follows with 14 receptions, 188 yards. Deion Smith leads all LSU true freshman receivers in touchdown receptions with two. He's caught 11 passes for 186 yards, while Malik Neighbors has seven receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. The four freshman receivers combined to start 12 games with Beck and Thomas leading the group with four starts each. So Bate goes down, going to have to rely on some of those freshman receivers uh, coming into LSU this year, and already – uh, making a name for themselves. But you know, even with those freshman wide receiver putting up numbers, uh, with Bate going down with injury, that could mean coming off of last week, LSU would lean on that run game a little bit more. You saw, you heard Blake mention some changes that they showed versus Kentucky last week, probably sped up some of that uh, progress that they were looking for. Junior running back Ty Davis Price coming off his best game as a Tiger with a career best 147 yards, two touchdowns against Kentucky. Uh, he averaged 6.7 yards versus the Wildcats last week. And 
leads the Tigers with 288 yards and two touchdowns through six games. So what does Florida do on defense here? When you kind of look at how maybe LSU's offense is going to change, uh, they, they're, they're going to have to find out if they can run the ball because that's good. That's going to help them if they can with Patay going down uh, and having to rely on some freshman receivers and coming off of a pretty good performance last week. I think getting Elam back helps, duh. I mean, of course it does. Uh, but, you know, if he him out there, given those freshman wide receivers I mentioned for LSU, they'll be matched up versus him. I mean, come on. Who's going to win that battle more times than not? Also throw out there and improving Jason Marshall going against these two freshman receivers. Uh, I think big advantage Florida here when you start adding in how the safeties are playing too uh, in pass coverage lately for the Gators. I do expect LSU to get some to get some of passing yards. Uh, they'll get some of those easy yards there uh, that the Todd Grantham defense gives up. But can they hit anything down the field? I don't think it'll be consistent, and I don't expect Florida's DBs to get deep, beat deep with any kind of consistency either, because I think Florida's going to create some pressure up front, uh, and, and just with those three to four defenders Florida can bring. I don't want to blitz a whole lot, uh, but get get back there in the backfield with Carter and Cox a whole lot and, and keep putting the pressure on Max Johnson. I don't think LSU will be able to run uh, on, on this Gators front. If you take the whole, look, I know they're changing some things. They put that change on tape last week versus Kentucky. It won't catch Florida by surprise this week after seeing it on film last week. So they may be coming off a good run performance last week, but I don't think they'll be able to replicate it. LSU has a passing attack that I still think can test Florida, uh, but I don't think the ceiling of that LSU offense was they're you know they're not gonna be able to run the ball i don't think the ceiling would be there in the passing game without a run game to rely on and fall back on help open up that passing game a little bit that won't be there Boutte not playing in the game i think the ceiling for the lsu offense is kind of lowered a little bit right now given those two factors moving to the other side of the ball defensively the tigers are allowing 26.6 points and 385 total yards per game you're giving up 154 yards rushing, 238 passing. Uh, they do rank, as I mentioned, second in the SEC with sacks, just like Florida, 20 sacks through six games. Uh, linebacker Damone Clark coming off his third straight double-digit tackle game with 14 tackles versus Kentucky. Clark leads the SEC and ranks number two in the nation in tackles with 68. I don't know if y'all can hear these jets behind me. Them things are flying around everywhere right now. <laughs> so uh, kind of crazy. Uh, but you might, you might can hear them in the background. So um, also, let's go to more linebackers here for LSU. Micah Baskerville, 34. Uh, Nickelback, Cordell Flott with 26. And safety, Jay Ward, 25. Or, or LSU's other top tacklers. So leading the way, Damone Clark. Double-digit tackle last game versus Kentucky with 14. But 68 tackles already this year. Um, Next highest is Micah Baskerville, another linebacker, 34 tackles. So double, <laughs> double the next guy uh, behind him is Clark. But uh, Nickelback, Cordell Flop with 26, safety Jay Ward with 25. That's LSU's other top tacklers there. Uh, defensive end, B.J. Ojalari leads the Tigers and ranks second in the SEC with five sacks. We got five sacks back there uh, with him, B.J. Ojalari. 11 different players have been credited with a sack this year for the Tigers. So many guys getting in on the action there for that Tigers defense. Okay, look, no Stingley now, but you still got to go back and look at LSU junior nickelback Cordell Flott stepped up at his play over the last three weeks in absence of Derek Stingley against Mississippi State in week four. He probably won the best games of his career, six tackles, forced two turnovers into victory there. Against Auburn, Flott had six tackles, broke up a pass, followed by three tackles versus Kentucky last week. He currently has 26 tackles, a tackle for loss, and an interception, two pass breakups, and a forced fumble through six games. He's the guy you're going to have to watch out for with Stingley not being out there. He's their playmaker on the back end a little bit more as well. So here we go. Can the Gators get off to a fast start on offense? I know we bring that up a whole lot, both sides of the ball, but one reason you want to look at it here. LSU has allowed only two touchdowns and a total of 14 points in the first quarter of its six games this year. They've only given up two touchdowns in the first quarter all season long. Florida's ninth in the country in first quarter scoring average with 10.3 points. That's in games involving only FBS teams. So, you know, if you're playing FCS teams, so stats don't count. So, LSU, 
giving up a total of 14 points all year long. But Florida is ninth in the country in first quarter scoring, averaging 10.3 points in the first quarter. So pretty good for the Gators there, getting off to a fast start this season in the first quarter scoring points. Can they continue to do that versus the, one of the country's best first quarter defenses? Of course, the run game will be a focus for this Gator team versus LSU, something Florida has done well and something LSU has not defended well. It is on the road, so the offensive line, here they go. Big struggle on the road a couple weeks ago versus Kentucky. Couldn't fire off the ball, couldn't get the cadence down, couldn't get the clap down. Just out of sync up front for this Gator offensive line. Mullen says they'll be ready. He says they'll be prepared to go on the road this time. So this is where it has to, you know, it has to be Florida still try to run the ball and take advantage. I think that's just going to be the crux of your offense. I think you'll find out pretty early on where, where Florida is in this, but we know if Florida's going to play their best, kind of mentioned it on the last episode of Gators Breakdown too, getting, getting the quarterbacks involved a little bit more, finding a second running back to get yards. Florida still hasn't had any issue the last few weeks, even with the running run game production overall going down, still able to have that one running back put up yards, but not necessarily that second running back. So you can afford to get back on uh, on that trend like we've seen a lot this year. Um, so like, I expect I expect both quarterbacks, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, to get involved in the uh, run game from the quarterback position to help the Gators and help spread out this LSU defense a bit and then keep pounding inside with the running backs. Just um, how I see that one going, Florida run game. I still think can control this game as long as everything, all the communication issues up front are ironed out and ready to go. All that said, I got a score 34 to 20 Gators. I got the Gators, a two touchdown winner here, beaten, covering that spread. Um, but uh, look, Florida, Dan Mullen need to play a little bit of desperation mode right now. I think LSU would be in desperation mode. In some sense, Florida needs to be too. You cannot leave Baton Rouge with a third loss of the season, especially to this LSU team. I mean, if we give Ed Orgeron credit for winning a national championship a couple of years ago, give him credit for beating Dan Mullen last year too. But, I mean, is anybody really going to accept as a Gator fan, one in three versus Ed Orgeron, a coach probably on his way out? No. Dan Mullen has to go win this game. Cannot lose this game. Now, look, don't get me wrong. This isn't big picture do or die for Dan Mullen, but a lot of goodwill could come out, can come from going out there and looking like I, I think you can a 34-20 kind of victory there. Uh, but if you don't, some good some goodwill goes out of the window. I mean, some some of the fan base has already lost it. You can't go on the road to Baton Rouge and lose to this LSU team. But I do think you can tell by my score. I think Florida Mullen show up in this one. I think some revenge a little bit from last year uh, needs to be there play for some pride, play for a little bit of desperation. Yeah, all the big goals are pretty much over for, for, for this year. But, as I said, you want to go get better week in, week out. In this season on a high note, starts versus LSU this week. Some ways Vanderbilt last week, but come on. we know These, these are the games we circle uh, here. So go play for some pride. Go put it on a team that's floundering right now. Take advantage. I know the inconsistencies play, plague this team, uh, You know, basically starting with last year's LSU game. But I think, I, I think this team gets past that here. Uh, I really think Florida just pounds the ball on LSU with the running backs, with the quarterbacks, hit a few, few big plays in the air. LSU's not going to be consistent on offense in their passing game. They'll need to be to beat Florida. I don't think they'll have that consistency with no run game and missing their best weapon on offense. So 34-20 is my final score. Gators walk out of Baton Rouge with a victory over LSU. As we do every week, let's take a look around the SEC. Some some more good games this week. Some more good games. Over at Arkansas, man, I think that's going to be a, a fun game to watch at noon, kicking it all off, along with Florida and LSU at noon, Texas A&M, Missouri at noon. But Auburn and Arkansas, can Auburn bounce back from their loss to Georgia last week and Arkansas as well losing to Ole Miss last week. So what do both teams both teams do to, to, to bounce back? Arkansas on a two-game losing streak now after starting the season, what, 4-0, I believe? Yeah. So um, Auburn, Arkansas, fighting for hierarchy there in the SEC West. Florida LSU also at noon. Texas A&M, can they follow up the big win over Alabama? 
and put it on Missouri. Is there that, is there that winning Bama hangover <laughs> with Texas A&M? We'll see how that goes as they travel to Columbia to take on Missouri. In the 3.30 CBS game of the week, Kentucky undefeated number 11, Kentucky versus newly bleh, number one Georgia. There, Kentucky, Georgia, 3.30 CBS. I mean, I think we all probably agree Georgia walk out of that one with a victory. Probably not all that difficult uh, either. Kentucky, Georgia, fighting for first place in the SEC East. I mean, some people saw that. Not many people saw it, but some people saw that. Not sure if anybody saw undefeated Kentucky at this moment, but there you go. Kentucky, Georgia, going at it at 3.30. 4 o'clock, Vanderbilt in South Carolina. In South Carolina. And then at 7 o'clock, the night game's here. Alabama, how do they bounce back? I'd feel sorry if I was Mississippi uh, You know, I'm probably going to feel sorry for Mississippi State a little bit. Bama's probably going to come unleash everything uh, in that game. Is, well, well, that game would not be pretty, <laughs> I don't think. Alabama, Nick Saban, going to unleash the fury on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And then perhaps the funnest game, maybe in all of college football this weekend, definitely in the SEC, Ole Miss and Tennessee. Ole Miss can go out there with Matt Corral and put up a ton of points. Tennessee, ever since only scoring 14 versus Florida on a big scoring barrage, in early games the last couple of weeks versus Missouri versus South Carolina, Tennessee hosting Ole Miss seven thirty on the SEC network. I'm telling you that, 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 that has the potential to be a really, really fun game to watch. If Tennessee keeps up what they've done the last couple of weeks and LSU keeps up what we, with what we know they can just do out there versus uh, a lot of the competition. So, you know, we weren't able to, Get that upset like Texas A&M was over Alabama a couple weeks ago, but Ole Miss still firing on a whole lot of cylinders there uh, with that offense and Matt Corral. So, man, some good, some some good games in Auburn, Arkansas. I think it's gonna be really good. Ole Miss, I mean, it starts with Auburn, Arkansas, Florida, LSU. A um, couple good games there. I think you know, I still like Florida to to win by a couple scores, but historically, some uh, a good game between Florida, LSU, but also to end the night with Ole Miss and Tennessee. So. Kind of glad we get that noon game there because I think the Ole Miss Tennessee game will be a must watch <laughs> there and there. I definitely want to check that one out um, uh, to, to, to cap the night off there for the SEC. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown, giving you a preview of Florida and LSU. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.